Welcome to Digitizing B2B, the B2B e-commerce podcast where we explore key trends on digital transformation for B2B businesses. I'm today's host, Jari Carter, and on this episode, we'll be speaking with Michael Noble, CEO and co-founder of Approve. His background in working with B2B companies led him to remold traditional methods of B2B financing and create a fully self-service model. Let's begin. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm Jari Carter. I'm here with Michael Noble from Approve. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jari. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, great. So before we get in, I, I've before we get into it, I, I've known you for a while, um, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, just kind of personally and, and professionally, give us a sense for your background. Yeah, a lot of twists and turns there, but uh, mainly have been um, in the startup world. This is probably the fourth uh, early stage technology company I've been involved with. Uh, I was part of the team that helped start LimeWire uh, a long, long time ago um, out of New York. That was a big peer-to-peer file sharing engine kind of right after Napster. And then uh, joined a company called Zanbu. Uh, we raised uh, a lot of money with Motorola as our lead investor. Um, we were kind of in the IoT space before IoT was an acronym. Uh, and that uh, company was sold to AT&T. Uh, and then, um, you know, after that, uh, did my MBA, moved back to Minneapolis, which is where I'm from. Uh, I was out in New York for the previous ventures and uh, started Approve. Walk me through kind of how you how you started Approve and, and what, what Approve's doing. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll start with an analogy or two, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> or, yeah, it seems to help. So let's picture credit cards as a mechanism. When you go out to dinner tonight and you give your credit card to the restaurant, you know, are you paying that restaurant? Yes. Uh, actually, no, you're not, right? The Wells Fargo or Chase or U.S. Bank is paying the restaurant. Right. It's the underlying bank uh, that pays the restaurant and then you go pay your bank a month later. Visa or MasterCard is the technology that connects you, the restaurant and that bank. If that mechanism wasn't in place, that restaurant would be lending you their money and there'd be a guy in the kitchen that said, Jari owes me 60 bucks. That's not what restaurants do. Restaurants sell food and provide great customer service and a customer experience. Restaurants aren't banks. They're not credit bureaus. They don't need to be experts in lending. That's what credit cards do. And to provide that service, the restaurant pays a fee. B2B is still the opposite. So, you know, we really dove in to try to understand this pain, but suppliers, manufacturers, and wholesalers are still lending their own money to their customers who want to use purchase orders and pay on net 30 or net 60 day terms. And that guy in the kitchen, they have a room full of people. It's called an accounts receivable department. And they are tasked to be experts at assessing credit risk, at doing invoicing, collections, payment processing. It's it's a uh, kind of 
mess and a process. And then from a financial standpoint, the CFO of that supplier, again, is lending their own money. So that invoice shows up as a receivable on their balance sheet. That's cash they don't have. And you know, as a startup, what you want to do is build the problem that's that has a measurable pain associated with it. And the ROI with Approve is you know, we're, we're kind of that visa component. So we connect the supplier, their buyer and third party underwriters to completely automate their credit program. And any invoice that's generated gets paid out by our underwriter uh, in real time, even though their customer gets terms. Again, that same mechanism as a credit card, which is kind of applied to the B to B space where orders you know, don't come in via credit card, they use a purchase order and the platform is e-commerce or an ERP. Kind of yeah. makes sense? Got it, yeah, 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 perfect. And how's it going? Uh, it's going great. Uh, we just raised a $6 million Series A. Our pipelines kind of never been uh, more full. I think this is, you know, the assumed cost of doing business in B2B has been to take POs and extend terms to people's customers. And, you know, we're up shouting from the rooftops that there's a better way. Uh, you know, payroll is another analogy we use a lot. You know, being good at payroll doesn't help you sell more solar panels or more carpet or right. whatever right. product you, you do. And companies like ADP came along and said, hey, you know, uh, we can do this for you better, faster, stronger, and let you focus on, on uh, you know, on selling more stuff. And we fundamentally believe that AR uh, accounts receivable is in this exact same position to be automated. And, you know, we're just, we're just seeing the market turn in our direction and people recognizing that there are solutions like ours that can get them out of the business of acting like a bank and lending to their customer. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I totally get it. I want to get you, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is, is you've got an extensive experience um, in B2B, um, specifically with Approve, but before uh, Approve, you, you've been in this space, you've seen this problem, and you've been tracking and, and um, looking at B2B e-commerce for a long time. You've also been really talking to a lot of companies uh, that are thinking about considering, you know, digital transformation. What what are you seeing, and how are you seeing B two B e commerce change the game uh, for B two B companies? Uh, margins are shrinking. Um, that's that's one big factor that's driving you know more aspects of self service. The buyer profile is changing. You have someone in a procurement department that is used to an online experience. The last thing they want to do is thumb through a paper catalog or call a sales rep. I think those are, are, are two things. And the third, I think the technology is finally catching up. So the ability to, you know, deploy e-commerce platforms in, you know, fairly efficient ways to take in an existing catalog of products and organize that catalog and make it searchable. Um, you know, tools like ours that help make a, a paper-based process uh, into a digital one within e-commerce and, and de-risk it. I mean, I think that's it's kind of the right, the right momentum uh, or, or the right kind of mix of things to really drive B2B e-commerce adoption. You know, it, it's going to be year over year, double-digit growth for as far as I can project for sure. 
Yeah, I think the the shrinking margin, the the increase of competition. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the world is is really changing. Um, yeah, we're seeing Amazon and, and other companies like them getting into B two B in a major way. Um, it, it just does seem like the landscape is pretty drastically changing, and the companies that aren't really sort of putting together a B2B e-commerce initiative are going to be the ones that are that are the big losers over the next three to five years, or at least the ones that don't uh, sustain the growth that, that the market's seeing. Um, Absolutely. I think just to add a, a fourth point, it's data. Mm. People, uh, bu- businesses are becoming aware of the, the power of information and the inability to collect the kind of data you want around how your customer is doing procurement, how they're shopping, how they're searching for product. Uh, that is near impossible to do with a paper catalog uh, or, or even through a phone call, email or, or fax. The amount of information that can be mined by having your customer go through a digital experience take that information and present them even better experience the very next time they, they shop. Uh, I, I mean, there's just huge upside to e-commerce that, that an offline process doesn't provide. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people and not many people are talking about this, but this, this concept of actually, you know, digitizing, the customer journey really helps companies get visibility into, you know, how they're finding customers, how they're, what their customers are doing, what they're looking at, what they're interested in, even, you know, tracking things like future inventory or, or forecasting inventory or forecasting, you know, customer trends. Uh, that information now starts to be readily available uh, once you offer, you know, at least digital choices, uh, you start to get a window into buying behavior from a data perspective. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I really, really like that, um, that you brought that out, Michael. Let's, let's jump into, just because you brought this up, and, and I think it's a really, I, I think that's a good jumping off point to my next question, which is, you see a lot of companies, you're watching a lot of companies go through digital transformation, um, and, and I would ask, what do you see if you were kind of to consolidate a few themes that you see in companies doing it well? What are those themes that, that you see? I would say uh, a, a couple of things. One is buy in throughout the organization uh, if you're going to do it well. Um, that pretty much needs to happen from sales through uh, C-level through customer service. Everyone needs to understand that, that not only does this channel for their customer now exist, but it's one that we as a company are investing in. This isn't a uh, fly-by-night uh, kind of experiment. It doesn't mean you, you shouldn't do testing and, and you know, have a, a beta uh, platform, but it's, it, this is a long-term commitment. And it involves process change up and down the organization. You know, even with a tool like ours, which is a very, um, it's very different than the way businesses do things today. You know, we go up and down the stack and educating, you know, everyone. 
and and you know that kind of buy-in um, is is really important. So whoever that champion is at, at the company, the most successful e-commerce implementations we see, you know, they they get heads nodding throughout the entire process, and they aren't necessarily you know they're they're, they're held to short-term goals, but this is this is a longer-term push. And um, I think the, the second thing goes back to the data side. Um, if you're going to launch e-commerce, you need to figure out what it is you're going to measure, you know, how you're going to measure success, you know, whether that's emotional from customer satisfaction and customer happiness to uh, increase in recurring orders, increase in average order size, you know, put those metrics out there and and measure against them and if you're not meeting those goals you know figure out why one one great thing about digital is the fluidity of that experience i mean if you publish a 800 page paper catalog and it's got a spelling error on page 700 you're pretty much screwed if you've sent you know 100,000 <laughs> copies of that right so right. you know di digital allows you to ab test it allows you to you know tweak visual experience, tweak videos, add customer reviews, you know, do those kinds of things that, uh, you know, as you measure whatever your KPIs are, you know, you can change those way faster than you ever could uh, with an offline experience. So, you know, companies we see successful are doing those, those things just from a starting standpoint. They have buy-in throughout the stack. Um, and they're, they're actively measuring uh, what they do and, and trying to improve on it. And, and you're saying the companies that you're seeing that that are actually collecting, tracking the data, really hearing customer feedback, you know, what used to take probably, you know, nine to 12 months in terms of like test and learn now it can take like nine to 12 days uh, to sort of put something out there, see how their customer base or prospects are reacting to it and start to make changes because they're actually you're tracking and, and measuring customer behavior. Is that kind of you know, how you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a very simple one would be chat. You know, on, uh, online chat as an ability to, uh, um, you know, service a, a, a very quick customer need and, and the relation to that, to the number of tickets that are being generated in customer service that take more time and feedback and whatnot to, uh, you know, and that has nothing to do with, e-commerce that has to do with a digital experience as a whole, um, you know, something like, like chat. So yeah, I think you can just get immediate feedback from customers in a ton of different ways. I mean, the tools out there for another one would be heat maps, you know, the ability to track a customer's cursor, filling filling their cart, but not checking out, you know, is there a pattern there? Uh, is there something you could follow up with them on to, you know, find out that, oh, your, their contract price or their volume-based price wasn't being shown? Um, all of that information can get teased out in a much more real-time basis uh, within digital than, you know, offline. Yeah. And I think a lot of that kind of inform because, because we're, you know, you and I are realists, right? I mean, digital, um, for a lot of companies, digital won't replace, I mean, it's, it's not going, it's a channel. It's not, you know, the whole buying experience, but I think, you know, what, what I'm seeing is that this, it's one of the few channels that gives you such real time feedback that, that companies can actually use that data to inform 
you know, every part of their business, even though it doesn't move as nimbly, they can use this, this collection of data to inform, you know, a lot of their offline or their customer service or, you know, the content that they're publishing, you know, these kinds of things can really, uh, it, it can inform sort of making the entire company better. Like you said in the beginning, if it's really integrated into, you know, the overall strategy and not a, not a side project. Yeah. I, I, kind of think the you know if if your e-commerce group isn't dotted lined to marketing at least i mean it might be sitting directly under marketing but um if there isn't a dotted line there you know i think you're missing out on i i think that's the biggest and most important piece of of information uh, or learning that that comes uh that can be applied to marketing and then you know reapplied into the site or into emails or advertisements or content or whatever the the push is so much of that learning can be applied into you know going after new customers or better servicing your existing ones and so marketing really needs to to uh, have buy in there too yeah I, I i totally agree with that i also am seeing like product is another area that that should have a really big you know buy in into Mm-hmm. into, you know, the kind of e-commerce experience operations is another one, you know, if there's efficiencies that need mm-hmm. to happen through the customer journey. Um, it, I mean, it's interesting. I think the companies that are doing it well are really involving a lot of different sort of pieces and parts of the executive team to really make sure that, that um, it, it's not, it's not so siloed. Absolutely. So, so one, one trend that I'm seeing, you know, as we're talking out to the market and, um, because of your kind of unique perspective, I want to get your thoughts on this. Your B two B e commerce really isn't just about e commerce; it's also about this idea of of making self service easier. You know, for lack of a better word, you know, like a my like a really strong my account page, um, and and making uh, self service options available through that account page. Um, can you talk about that and what you're seeing there? Yeah, I mean, self-service and moving more towards self-service is not going away. You only have to look at the consumer world to understand, you know, uh, AI and robots uh, handling, you know, a phone call that went to a human before, you know, I can say a few words now into my phone or into Siri or, or something and, you know, have uh, my problem solved through a dashboard, presenting more information back to the customer. You know, in our in our world, uh, you know, we're in the the B two B credit space, so we see a lot of customers that still have their customer you know, download a PDF, fill it out with a pencil, and send it back of a of a credit application. And you know, it takes weeks, like multiple weeks, to uh, to build that that credit application. And then there's very little transparency between the supplier and their customer around, you know, what that credit limit is, uh, who's associated with that purchasing team, you know, that kind of information. um, uh, The idea of transparency, I think, is just one that I'm sure you agree is a long time coming you know b2b used to be very much we do our thing behind the curtain and you know we we provide you mr customer with as much information as as you need to know and you know those those days are gone you want to you want to be wholly open and honest and transparent with your customer 
you know, the, the marks and the KPIs that, that we track here at Approve, uh, we share all of them with our customers and we're sharing them with the buyers that are also on our network. And we just believe that kind of transparency increases everyone's awareness of what's going on how they're buying, what they're buying, um, in our in our sense, how they're paying back debt, how they're paying back terms, you know, that's 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 pretty big. And uh, this is all without uh, extent. This is all in the self-service world. I make an order. I get a, a line of credit to make that order against. I'm invoiced. I pay that invoice. All this happened online. And and it goes hand in hand with uh, with the e-commerce experience of of uh, you know procuring goods and services uh, online as well. Yeah, I I, I makes I, I really like the consumer world you know analogy and and I think it's it's true you know I mean I think about how banking has changed in the last fifteen years or or even you know how uh, how I buy online with companies that I, you know, frequently shop with as a consumer and, and how I sort of interact with, with them. Um, people are much more used to, uh, this idea of, of this self-service. And, and I think, you know, the expectation is, you know, if I, if I have a relationship with a, with a supplier where, you know, I'm purchasing tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year across, you know, maybe even hundreds of purchases, that, that I should have, you know, a way to, to access my information around that. It's, it's such, such a much, such a more complex relationship that, that the self-serve option seems really obvious, um, even though uh, I think B2B is, is to a large degree really behind in this. Um, yeah, picture, picture going to Amazon and not having an order history, not having a, a payment history, I mean, not getting product suggestions. Not you just have to, yeah, like you said, put yourself in the consumer shoe that we've now lived in those shoes for a couple decades, and and you sit back and you're like, why isn't the B2B experience the exact same way? Right, exactly. <laughs> almost, yeah. almost that it should be leading it, right? Because these right. relationships are so much more valuable, uh, and and you have fewer of them, right? I mean, if I have a thousand customers. You know, I, I should be doing a really great job at, at, you know, curating a relationship with these thousand, you know, thousand customers versus, you know, maybe a shoe brand that uh, a retailer that's working with, you know, 100,000 customers. The, the, cu the customer value is so much lower. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's something that um, we talk about a lot with, with our product is CLV, customer lifetime value. And. Uh, you know, you're right. In B2C, I could walk into the Gap tomorrow, get a pair of jeans and never go back for seven years. And B2B is about building these long-term relationships where I'm ordering on some kind of cadence or, or frequency. And, you know, you're my vendor for the next two decades. So, you know, going back to that idea of transparency, going back to self-service, making it easier to your customer, I mean, it needs to drive CLV. And we, we see just for, you know, we have a customer, their orders through approve are 5.6 times bigger than orders taken via a credit card. And this idea of giving someone an account to purchase against is transformative uh, within an e-commerce environment, but it also just, it just drives sales, plain and simple. 
Um, we see on average about 2.2 times more order frequency and about 3.3 times more line items per order for customers on account uh, versus credit card. So, you know, having a digital experience and then making sure the layers are, are on there to really drive CLV, not just one transaction, but a hundred. You know, that's, that's really the, the tools and the platform that you're looking for, you know, for a long-term uh, digital play. Yeah, all that sounded really smart. I think the only thing I really got stuck on was the fact that you talked about going and shopping at the Gap to buy jeans. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've been in a in a Gap since uh, in a the Gap since uh, 1993. Yeah, me neither. But the first thing that came to mind <laughs> when I when I turn on the TV and watch Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> I want to make sure that the online shopping experience matches. Uh, no, I think, I, I think, uh, I, I, it's interesting. You're, you're way hipper you, than me. Jared. What's that? You, you tell me you're way hipper. You tell me where you shop and then uh, I'll, I'll use that the next time I give the analogy. If, if I am the fashion <laughs> North star, heaven help us. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think you added in a lot of, um, data there just from, you know, what you're seeing across all your customers that was really interesting, though, about purchasing. And, and I actually want to go to that because you are at the you are at the forefront. And I want you to take your own sort of company bias out of this, um, if you don't mind, um, because you are you're you're really at the forefront of seeing and tracking what's happening with payments in B2B e-commerce. And I will say that we have we have a, I, I'm talking to a lot of companies that are really trying to figure this out, right? That when they, when they are offline and taking payments, there's really only a few ways, you know, people are mailing checks or they're paying by bank wire, um, large invoice amounts. But now you start to, you know, actually make an online purchase available and people are starting to ask themselves, you know, what are the different sort of payment options we should provide? Should we offer credit cards? Should we offer, you know, should we keep our, our payment payments the same? Should we use systems like Approve? You know, the, these are, are the things that I think companies are really grappling with in terms of payments. And, you know, what, what are you seeing? What's happening there? What's best practices? Just give us your, uh, your thought leadership on this. Yeah, so e-commerce, the first thing that people uh, bring to mind would be a credit card. That's the, the standard in terms of what's been accepted. Um, PayPal obviously grew the online side of payment in the consumer world. You move to B2B and things just dramatically shift. One of the main drivers is the fact that purchase orders still exist. And, you know, there's many, 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 many reasons why. And it's very industry specific, you know, needing to do a three-way match where you have a number on an order, an invoice, and a shipping a bill of laden. That's, that's a big one. Just trackability, accountability, paying on terms within a PO, a PO is basically a purchase order and, and paying on terms. It's a contract that says, you know, I, I promise to pay you in 30 days. And the reason a supplier does this is to, uh, you know, help their customer with their cash flow. But as I said, it also drives customer lifetime value because that customer is more than likely to come back to you if you've given them an account to purchase against. Um, paying with paper checks, it's still a thing. Uh, I believe in the U.S., 
was it a year or two ago, I think I read 20 billion checks were written. Um, compare that to Europe, which is a fraction of that. So, you know, things like paying ACH through a bank account, Europe is well ahead of the US in that practice and that standard. Um, do credit cards still exist? They do. Um, a pain point we hear a lot with credit cards more and more and more is fraud and the difficulty in combating credit card fraud. It, uh, it's, it's just very uh, difficult to do. Fraudsters are finding many, many ways around, uh, you know, what are the, the traditional fraud deterrent techniques within credit cards. Um, so that's becoming uh, a little less attractive. We have a, a prospect in our pipeline, a, about a $2 billion prospect that doesn't accept credit cards, period. And, you know, we asked him why. And, and he said, you know, it's my competitive advantage to give my customers an account. And then and there's a pause. He's like, but it's a very painful process to manage. And it doesn't easily translate into e-commerce, uh, you know, without a, a service. I know you're trying to keep us out of this conversation, but without a service like ours. So payment is still a tricky thing in, in B2B. Paper checks, like I said, do exist. They're, they're a bottleneck. Um, but for the foreseeable future, they're not going away. Credit cards, fraud is an issue. Order size is an issue. I mean, we process six-figure orders all the time. Those, those are not happening on cards. They, they happen with POs. Uh, anything from the government, schools, large corporations, I mean, they're going to use a purchase order. It is part of their procurement process for a number of, of in-house checks and balances and accountability reasons. So it's just a more complex payment ecosystem. You know, making sure your e-commerce portal can handle that is in your best interest. I mean, if your customer has been paying on terms for 20 years and then you throw up an e-commerce site and ask them to use a credit card or their PayPal account, good luck. I mean, you are, you are not going to convert that customer over to a digital experience without making sure that the way they pay is the way they've always paid. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that that's really, I think something that resonates with me, this concept of like, look, make it easy for, for customers, give them choice, give them flexibility and, and do it in a way they're comfortable and that they want to buy. And I think that is, that's the lesson that we've learned is, is it's not about, you know, sort of it's not about your know, customer experience isn't about like tons of salespeople and, you know, not, not that salespeople are, are bad or, or not great. I mean, they're needed in, in B2B, but I think we're seeing more this idea of like an effortless customer experience, you know, give them what they want and, and make it really effortless. And that idea of not making them sort of go to a digital experience and really limit their choice when it comes to payment um, or change, really change so much when it comes to payment is really important in that process. Yeah, agree, agree. Tell me your thoughts and what you're seeing from customers on, on offering credit cards. You know, that's something that I hear come up, you know, as a debate. You know, look, we've never offered credit card payment options. Should we now, because, you know, an e-commerce experience sort of feels almost uh, incomplete without credit card as a as a purchase option. What what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges in B two B is that every vertical uh, smells and feels a little different. 
the your, your buyer base could be schools uh, and then another someone's buyer base is just building contractors and then someone else is um, re retail you know credit cards like I said, have have their own issues for the buyer. So, uh, you know, I, I think before you make any kind of decision, it's not too difficult to to reach out to your buyer and and or, or you already have that experience full well knowing, you know, how it is they want to pay. You know, we have a customer in the solar uh, industry and, you know, their average order size is significant. Um, they're, they're buyers. And, you know, these are these are the kinds of orders that just aren't happening on credit cards. Uh, we have a, a customer in the, um, they sell a lot of Motorola handheld radios into government related entities. Hmm. Credit card, credit cards matter zero. Um, it's the US government, they use purchase orders and they pay on terms, period. So, you know, uh, and then, you know, we have customers like, like Boxed, where, you know, they're a mix of B2C and B2B, depending on uh, order frequency or setting up a purchasing team. Uh, you know, if you're a multi-location buyer and you want to set up an account for people to, to buy against, you're not going to hand out six credit cards, maybe. Again, I don't understand, you know, every, every vertical is different, but buying against an account is easy and, and it makes sense for, for people in that regard. So, you know, I'm not here to poo-poo credit cards. All I'm saying is do some due diligence, do some homework, figure out the way your customer wants to procure and pay, um, you know, and make sure that you're building a solution to satisfy that. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key piece is do, do what you're, you know, what fits your business, what fits your customer profile. Um, I, I like the, the U.S. government analogy on this. Um, yeah, that, that's helpful. Uh, Michael, give me your final thoughts. You know, you know our audience. These are people that are, that are doing, you know, doing B2B e-commerce or thinking about B2B e-commerce. They're doing it a lot of times in a vacuum, in a silo. You know, it's a, it's a two, three-person digital team, you know, that, that's, that's at a manufacturer, distributor, or wholesaler. What, what advice do you have? for these, these folks? What, what final thoughts do you have? Uh, if you believe that your specific industry isn't going into a digital direction, um, you know, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. And, and you're already late to the game. If, if you're trying to build a business and be a market leader in that business, I fully believe that embracing e-commerce gives you an unfair competitive advantage. And whether or not you realize that, you know, the second you launch your website, again, going back to my earlier comments, this is a longer term game. So, you know, getting that buy in throughout the organization that you want your company to be a market leader in toys or artificial grass or solar panels or wholesale hats or whatever it is. Like I said, there's thousands of these verticals out there. And if you don't think your competitor or your industry peers aren't doing this or thinking about it, you need to kind of get on board. And I know that sounds aggressive, but I, I do fundamentally believe it. And I, I think you're, you're in that same camp. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Thanks for that. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, do, need the nudge right they they want um I, I think not that not that this is bad but i don't see in a lot of cases i don't see a lot of you know manufacturers distributors wholesalers brands 
as in, in many cases, you know, early adopters of, of trends or technology, they've seen, you know, they've, in, in a lot of cases, they've just been around a long time. They've seen a lot of things come and go. So, um, you know, that can, can make them a little skeptical, but this, I think you're absolutely right. You know, this is not, a, this is a business trend that is absolutely here to stay. Um, it's not going anywhere. There's so much body of proof that um, it's it's only growing. This you know e-commerce and B two B is is not a fad. So I really like that you you brought that out, Michael. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, really time well spent. I appreciate your perspective. Thank you for sharing the data that I think is going to be really helpful for a lot of people um, considering digital transformation and particularly how they do payments uh, and and uh, self service and digital transformation. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jory. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. To get the latest updates on Oro Commerce and access to the latest episodes, follow us on Twitter at Oro Commerce. Also, be sure to check us out at oroinc.com slash e-commerce dash podcast for more episodes.